I want to say a word of thanks this morning to our young people who got up and were here at both services to play for us. And I know he's stepped out because he's got to go to work, but y'all ought to be thankful for Ellison playing the clarinet. Amen. Thanks to Chris for accompanying him. Alice is out today visiting her family, and we want to be in prayer for her. Folks, we live in a negative world. We live in a world full of bad news, and sometimes it's hard to get the upper hand on all of that. So this morning, I want to preach from a well-known passage that most of you know, and most of you know it by heart. It comes out of the fourth chapter of Philippians, verse 13, simple verse, very profound. And maybe we can, uh, we can learn a little bit from it that we hadn't heard before. Philippians 4.13 from the New Living Translation. I, for I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. New American Standard Version. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the New International Version. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I was in an antique store not too long ago and I ran across a pair of old K2 Rosignol skis. Snow skis. Some of y'all know what those are. I actually had a pair of those. I, I probably still have that pair. It's probably out in the shed. hadn't been used in a long time. I didn't know what the K2 stood for when I bought those skis, and I, I, I did a little research on it, and K2 is the second highest peak in the world. You may not know that, but it is. Only behind Mount Everest, located in the same Himalayan mountain range, more difficult to get to, more difficult to climb. It's 28,267 feet high. Now, just to give you a little bit of interest on how difficult it is, out of every three climbers who attempt to climb that mountain, one of them dies. Now, do you get the picture? On Mount Everest, it's one out of ten. Out of every ten climbers that... Uh, approach Mount Everest and try to make the summit, one out of ten dies. In the last century, there were six failed attempts to climb that mountain prior to an Italian team finally making it in 1954. And then five women have climbed that mountain, three of which died on the way down. They made it to the peak and then they never made it down. You say, well, why are you telling Tell us about all this. Well, Greg Mortensen was a climber, well-known climber, wrote a book years ago. He climbed the mountain, tried to climb K2, ended up in a Pakistani village, wrote a book about it, uh, was investigated by the IRS and his foundation and everything, started building schools in Pakistan. And though he was cleared of criminal misconduct or anything about using funds wrongly, there's still a lot of people didn't like Greg Mortensen, and, and so they just kept after him. But I want to share with you, Greg Mortensen has built more schools in Pakistan than anybody else, regardless of his personal history. Uh, much of what we face every day is in the negative sense. Do you know that? We get news on TV. Did anybody hear any really good news this morning when they came? No. We, we have 800,000 workers, government workers, which we have some in our congregation who are out of work right now. They, they're not getting a paycheck. Y'all need to realize that's a lot of people, uh, you know. We live in a culture that seems to thrive on the bizarre and the negative and the perverted. Uh, there was a couple of 
stories that appeared on Channel 10, it's been several months ago, on Good News Friday. And they had these bizarre stories on the same day they had Good News Friday. So I worked with them through Meals on Wheels, have worked with them for 29 years, so I just called and said, hey, do y'all have to report the bad news on Good News Friday? I mean, what, what's driving that? Are, are we a pop culture that likes the, the media kind of outlet at the newsstand? You know, Martians have landed and had, you know, set up colonies. I mean, that sometimes is the way our news media is. It, it thrives on the bizarre and the, the horrible. My sister Jane has been an educator all her life, and she sent us a story this Christmas that I found very appropriate for this day. It's a story of a little lady who was with her husband shopping in a grocery store. And she was rounding the corner, and here was this big display of dishes. You know those kind of dishes, if you buy enough groceries, you get them at a deep discount. You get the cup, and then the silver, I mean the, the saucer bowl, and then the plate, and then the cereal bowls, and the serving bowls, and on it. Well, her, unfortunately, her basket hit that cardboard display and they're all cardboard y'all need to know that with a few slats in them I grew up in the grocery business and down came the dishes and there was a big crash and it could be heard for several aisles away and her husband was with her and he and he was saying like most if you'd have been watching what you were doing that wouldn't have happened you know and he was all over her face here she was down in the floor elderly lady trying to pick up the pieces and he was picking up all the UPC symbols that he was going to have to pay for. And a lady came over from another aisle and bent down and said, it's going to be okay. And the lady was nearly in tears. And then the loudspeaker comes on. There is a mess on aisle number five. Please, will you, you know how that, that, does that ever help you when you do something in a grocery store? No, it may help the person that's to clean it up, but it doesn't usually help the person that has made the mess. And then the manager shows up. And I appreciate what the manager did because the manager, the lady was nearly in tears, said, we'll pay for this. He said, no, ma'am, you don't owe us a thing. We have insurance for that. And he showed her grace. You don't have to pay for a thing. We have insurance for that. Folks, that's our story. We just got through celebrating the Lord's table. We're all here by grace. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's not anything we do ourselves. It's a gift from God, lest any one of us should boast. That's what we have, folks, grace insurance. When disappointments come, when failures happen, when we fail, when we sin, when we are ashamed and feel as if though everyone is looking at us, God comes and says, you have insurance. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Or Paul says it like this a couple of chapters earlier. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Did you catch all three alls? All things, all times, having all that you need, you shall will abound to every good work. And in every good work. Can we use the gifts God gives us this coming year to make a difference in our world? Can we make it a better place? Can those of us who sometimes always see the glass half empty, can we have a change of mind and attitude and see and change of heart and see the glass half full? 
Can we use who God made us to be with all of our faults and failures to make a difference in somebody else's life? Years ago, we had the privilege of having Roy Edgman lead a Baptist doctrine study in one of our associational meetings. I think it was up at Iredale. And Roy grew up close to where I grew up. He grew up in Wichita Falls. I grew up in Nocona. And he tells that back in the, the late 40s, early 50s, he ran with a bunch of boys on the street, not doing anything, but he stumbled into a church on a Sunday night when a revival was going on and God spoke to his heart and forever changed his life. Now, you need to understand something. None of Roy's family went to church. He didn't have anybody that was saying, you got to go to church on Sunday morning. You're going whether you like it or not. Some of y'all had that this morning. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just a part of, the, that's part of the way it is, isn't it? You don't get to tell mom and dad no, do you? Or mama and papa or whoever's talking. You're going to go and you're going to sit there and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to listen to the sermon. Y'all ever had that happen? Am I talking to the right group? You know? Roy Edgman, life was forever changed. He repented of his sins. He asked Jesus to come into his heart. He became a follower of Christ. And God has done such a work across his lifetime. From his education and his service, he used to work with the Home Mission Board, which is now our North American Mission Board. Then he worked with our Sunday School Board. And he worked with a group of people helping to train people to establish churches in difficult areas. And he established, helped establish over a thousand churches. Now, this is a boy that was going nowhere at age 15, and God changed his life. And before his life was over, he baptized his 86-year-old grandmother and most of his family. Give that some thought. How can we turn a negative into a positive? Hear the text again. It gives us a clue. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength or gives me the strength I need. Dealing with negativity in a positive way takes learning and education. That's what Roy Edgman got. Is there anybody here that's learned from their experiences? Anybody? Anybody want to raise your hand? Let me give you some examples. I've given them before. When you, lo when you put a trailer on a ball behind a pickup truck or an SUV, you need to lock it down. Okay? Otherwise, when you get ready to go, guess what's going to happen? It's going to bounce up and the trailer's going to keep going. You know, I was following a trailer years ago right down here in front of uh, the, uh, where Shopco is now. There was a place of business there. I was following the trailer. It was uh, the old Walls manufacturing plant. And the trailer came off of the ball I was following, crossed the lane in front of a car, and hit two parked cars. Nobody was hurt. But I want to share with you, the man who was pulling the trailer felt really bad about life. You know, Other things, if the garage door is down, wouldn't it be better to raise it before you back out? You know, if the stove is on and, and, and you're cooking, wouldn't it be better to get a heating pad and grab hold of something to move it? Or if you've got something in the oven, wouldn't it be better to let the oven door down, get a couple of things, slide it out, and graciously put it somewhere? If it's going to miss, if it's caught on fire, put it out. Don't stand there waving your hands. You're not having a revival. The thing's on fire. Put it out. You know, we were, 
we were blessed. We went up to Spring Creek for our associational uh, mission emphasis back in December, and they, they had a wonderful feed. It was outstanding. But in the, they've got this new kitchen out behind there. And it was so wonderful. But guess what happened? The grease caught on fire that the fish was cooking in. Grease fire. Got to put it out. We had some burnt offerings that night. That's the way it goes. If we're going to learn to deal with negativity, then we've got to learn from our experience, and we need to teach ourselves and learn, be humble enough to learn, to cultivate a positive faith and deal with all the negative. At the world that comes our way, we need to learn how to pray. Folks, pray. We pray in crisis usually. We just don't pray every day. Paul says pray without ceasing. He says when something's bothering you, pray. When, when you can't get along with somebody, pray. When things aren't going your way, pray. I want to share with you, my view of God has always been He's big enough to handle my doubts. He's big enough to handle my sins. He's big enough to handle whatever questions I may want to throw at Him. You say, well, you can't question God. Oh, yes, I can. He had not done that to me yet. I mean, He hadn't stamped me out yet. I have never asked a question yet that's not in Scripture. Why did this happen? Why now? Why me? He can deal with all of our doubts, our failures, our mistakes. In fact, we have a policy of grace that was paid in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear what he says in the fourth chapter, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, think about these things. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything are excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned from me or learned from those who love you, those who've influenced your life of faith in a positive way, think about such things. I was thinking back about my, my favorite teacher. Her name was Lucille Keller. And I've shared this before. At age 90, she called me and she said, Jerry, would you do my funeral? And I, I didn't know she was 90. I couldn't believe she was 90. I went to school with her daughter, Betsy. She's one year older than me. You need to understand, when she called me, my mother was in, hear me, my mother was in her early 70s when she called me. 20 years difference in age. And I said, Miss Keller, you can't, you, you 90, you, there's no way you could be 90. She said, Jerry, I didn't get married till after I was 40. And after I was 40, I had two daughters, one at 42 and one at 44. And I just want to make things right. I want to get things prepared. I'm 90 now, and I, I would like for you to do my funeral when that day comes. You know, I want to share with you about my relationship with Lucille Keller. She's one of the best teachers I ever had by far. She taught me seventh grade English eighth grade English, and three years of Spanish in high school when I didn't want to learn English and I didn't really want to learn Spanish. Comprende? Okay? You know? I'm where I am today because of her love and grace. You know the thing about her? She was always kind. She was always kind. It was in the tone of her voice. It was in the way she reacted to, to, to a bunch of ornery kids that didn't really want to learn English or Spanish. It's the way she handled when somebody played a trick on her and made her look bad. She handled it with grace. You know, I cannot tell you how much she has meant to me. Her positive influence cannot be measured on a graph. It can't be measured on a spreadsheet. It can only be measured in the heart and in changed lives. 
You got a teacher like that? She lived to be a hundred in her own home. I did her funeral a few years ago, just shy of her 102nd birthday. 12 years ahead of time, she asked me to do her funeral. See, it's hard to put a price tag on kindness. It's hard to put a price tag when somebody goes the extra mile with you. Paul knew that cultivating a positive faith depends largely on what we focus on. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, through Him who gives me the strength. If you focus on the obstacle, if you focus on the problem, if you focus on the offense, you're not focused on Jesus. You're making the offense, the problem, the difficulty greater than who He is. He also knew what Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, or so he becomes. Or whatever proceeds from the mouth finds a source or a place in its heart. What's in your own heart this morning? Where is the source of your strength? Who have been your heroes, your mentors, your influencers in your life and in mine? Cultivating a positive faith to battle negativity takes intention. You ever start out to do, did y'all know? Let me just give you a simple pop quiz. Anybody make any New Year's resolutions? You know what the top five New Year's resolutions is across our nation? Lose weight. Exercise more. Eat properly. Simplify life. Save more. I can go right down the list because I looked at them on three to four different sites. Give up a bad habit. Do you know that about 36 to 40 percent of people fulfill at least a few of those things? The other 60 percent or 65 percent, after two or three weeks, guess what happens? They're back into their old ways. I mean, I have to be honest, eating a bowl of Blue Bell ice cream at about 8 o'clock at night is very soothing. <laughs> you know? Do we have some goals? You ever write out goals for a new year? We did. We've written out goals. I'm, I'm trying to fulfill those goals. You know, I, I have to be honest, it's been a test of my faith. I put in a sink this week, and I'm not a plumber, but we got new countertops after, after all, after everything. I put in a vented hood, and I'm not an electrician. If the house burns down while I'm gone, I guess we'll just chalk it up to insurance. Uh, you know, there, there's some things that you can do, though, Simple things. You can recycle more. Folks, we've got a lot of trash in our world. Did y'all see the floating trash in the ocean? That's horrible. We're some of the, America's one of the worst of all the offenders of the whole world. We've got more stuff. Recycle it. Get rid of it. Put those K2 skis in an antique store and let somebody else buy them. I'm going to have to go dig mine out and put them there. If people are living on the edge like they are, we need to be encouragers. There's a lot of people living on the edge, and there's a lot of people with a lot of unknowns in their lives. You know, I wrote it in my article about if I'd known I was going to live so long, I'd taken better care. Well, that's a quote from George Burns, who lived over 100 years old, smoked a cigar all the time, you know. To overcome the negative in our lives, we, not, we might need a game plan. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we can pray about what we need to correct. 
you know, it, it's interesting. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says it this way. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the context, Paul is talking about the victory over sin, the victory over death, and God in Christ giving us the victory over whatever we're facing, whatever difficulty, trial. So can we memorize the verse? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength I need. Lastly, Christ can help us when we face needs in our lives, when we have needs. 4.19 is a great verse. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Does it say some of your needs? No. It says all of your needs according to who? Wall Street? No. According to the bank? No. According to all of his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Folks, and I want to tell you, it has not changed from the psalmist. Our God owns the cattle on Thousand Hills. And he has resources that we're not even aware of. That he can help us. Both physical, spiritual, mental, social, whatever those needs are. Have you ever used the MapQuest roadmap? Now, I have to be honest, I'm technically challenged, but my wife's not. She's in the school, and she has a computer there. And so now I just say, hey, can you pull up road, you know, MapQuest on your deal and see where we're supposed to turn down here? She types it in. There it pops right up. Okay, you're going to turn down here two miles on the right, and this is where we're going. I want to tell you, that beats the dickens out of going into a convenience store <laughs> and trying to, trying to ask somebody who doesn't speak your language and they don't know that they're two blocks from First Baptist Church. You know, I've had that happen. You know? So, you know, so many of us try to go through our lives running our own lives. We do. You ever try to run your own life? I do. All the time. Yeah. To use Dr. Phil's words, how's that working out for you? Not very good. You know? Seldom do we ask help from God and from fellow believers because we feel ashamed or maybe we didn't want to confess that we don't know and have all the answers. Folks, I want to share something with you. God does not give us faith in Christ to make us miserable. Hear me. I know a lot of miserable Christians. They've got just enough faith to make them miserable. They can't seem to do what they need to do because they don't let God's Spirit fill them. They won't confess their sins. They won't ask Him for help when they need to turn over the new leaf or intentionally do something that needs to be done. Jesus said it this way, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He did not say, I came that you might have life and have it more miserably. There's a big difference between abundance and miserably. Jesus Christ can help you, folks, if you'll let Him. And that's the kicker. That's the condition. You got to let him. Have you ever had a little two-year-old or three-year-old say, no, I can do it by myself? We have grandchildren now, and they're in that age group. And I offered to help the other day. No, Jeters, I can do it by myself. Okay. The sad thing is I know some adults that act just like little children like that. They're still saying, I can do it by myself. I don't need any help from anybody. Will you allow Christ to help you this morning? One last illustration. goes straight to the heart. Have you ever been in a goat head patch? Does anybody know what goat heads are in here? Oh, I do. 
I've actually ridden my bicycle when I was probably eight, nine years old in a goat head patch and I had no shoes. I was riding the bicycle barefooted. And of course, what happens to the tires? And then you're out there in the middle of the goat head patch and you put your foot down and they're full of goat heads. And I want to tell you folks, goat heads have got little stickers all around them. They're straight from the pit. They're straight from the devil. I'm convinced they're a part of the curse, you know. And so how do you get out of a goat head patch? Very carefully and very, very slowly, you know. And when you get out, you have to get, you have to get somebody to help you get all the, all the little thorns out of your feet, and they're usually bloody. And then you've got the problem with the bicycle tire. Now, I want to tell you, you can't just go get another tire. You need to, probably, but when you're like me, I had to take a pair of tweezers to pick out every goat head in that tire, and then I could go buy another tube. And you've got to make sure that that tire doesn't have any goat heads in it, because when you air it up, if the goat head's still in the tire, guess what's going to happen? I give you that illustration because that's the way many of us live our Christian lives. We get in a goat head patch, and we have the wind knocked out of us. And we try everything in the world except turning to the one who can free us and cleanse us and clean us up. Anybody ever had an alternator go bad on a car? Do I have any mechanics in here? Billy, you're not a mechanic, but you know what happens when an alternator goes bad. Tell me what happens. Lose all your power. Because the alternator's responsibility is to recharge the battery. I don't care if you've got a $160, $180 gold streak Delco. That thing's going to go, and it's going to be no power. And your car's going to be on the side of the road. You'll be able to drive for a little while, but then it's going to be dead. And then you'll have to call Craig's Automotive to come get you and haul you in or AAA or somebody. Folks, that alternator is just like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit keeps us charged up. He, he keeps us going in the right direction and making the right decision and fills us. Just as that alternator fills that battery with a charge that can operate the car, God's Spirit does that to us and in us and through us. So I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Would you let him this next year do all things through him who gives you strength? Would you, whatever the issue, whatever the problem, if you're here and you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you come join us. We'd love to have you come and be a part of this family. We're a bunch of failures, folks. I want y'all to know that straight out. We're all sinners saved by grace. But there are a lot of good people God has done a big work in in a big sort of way right here in this place. And we all have an insurance policy called grace. May we pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the new year. Help us to combat the negativity and the bad news and all the stuff that we worry about, Lord, that we're anxious about. Help us not to be anxious about anything, but to pray about everything. And help fill us with your spirit so that we can make a valuable difference in our world and help us to be kind and gentle and loving and exhort where we need to exhort and forgive where we need to forgive and to lead and to follow where we need to lead and follow you. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.
Our hymn of invitation this morning is Rock of Ages, hymn number 342. I'll be here at the front to receive you.